All right, everyone. Welcome to Lay Film, and this is our podcast, the Essential Podcast, featuring myself, the host Richie, and here with me today are Patrick, Kevin, and Tyler. And we are reviewing the 1992 film Rebels of a Neon God. Um, and Kevin, you chose this film for this week. Yes, I did. I'm a huge fan of. Uh, like this era of filmmaking in like the 90s with the Taiwanese filmmaking and I don't know there's a there's a really cool new wave that was coming out around the time and Simon Liang I think that's how you pronounce his name he's the one who directed this movie and he's one of the front runners of the of the cinematic movement So Kevin chose this film. It's a Taiwanese film, like he mentioned, and uh, we can give a brief uh, synopsis of the film. Um, it takes place in Taipei, and it's about a young man who goes by the name of um, Neza, which is the neon god, um, but his uh, family name is Sao Kang. And he, it's about how he takes retribution against two juveniles, Atse and Aping. So that's the... Uh, Basic plot summary of the film. Uh, does anyone want to take a stab at uh, discussing uh, what the film is about? <laughs> it's, uh, it's very punk. It felt very punk to me. Mm-hmm. For sure. That's a good uh, adjective. Like, uh, you know... Like youth, youth rebellion. Yeah. It's, ni- it's 92, right? Mm-hmm. But it feels locked in the 80s for sure, in the punk wave or punk scene. Yeah, definitely. I think there was uh, like a reference to James Dean at oh, one yes. point in the yep. film, so I think that it was definitely going for that punk style, like you said, um, and definitely with the motorcycles and like the um, traveling around uh, downtown Taipei, and it felt very um, neo-realistic, like Italian neo-realism and like the French New Wave and. I love how they um, travel around the city and eating good food. It almost feels luxurious, but it's not because they aren't um, of wealthy status, I think. I, I like that there is the dichotomy of like the two groups, the, the rebels, and um, uh, Neza, I guess. Um, they both come from like poor families from where they live. But they all live very differently within the same area. So I, I really like that aspect. I like the the water. All the water in the film. Yeah. Like yeah. in his apartment coming through. You're talking about um Atse, right? Yeah, yeah, the uh the one of the rebels, I guess you would say. Yeah, the uh, central character that we, we meet at the very beginning of the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think that like right when it starts off, like Tyler, you mentioning the water, it like instantly sets the tone for the scene because it it opens up with the phone booth, and it's just like gushing rain. And then Aza and Aping are like going in there. They light up some, some cigarettes, Dude, yeah. and then you're like, "What are these guys doing?" And then all of a sudden, like the cars go by, and then they start like breaking into the telephone. I mean, into the payphone to like steal the money and stuff, and it's like. It was so casual. Yeah, right? Like, it was just another day, right? <laughs> They're just like... And they were, like, chain-smoking those cigarettes. <laughs> they were, like, 
huffing quick and hard. Like, I guess because they're maybe because they're doing a robbery, but yeah, I was just like, this is like normal to them. They're just, you know, mm-hmm. not yeah. even talking, just like, yeah, drove it, fucking grab the coins and go. I know, like, they, they pop the locks like so easily. And then, like, right when the theme song kicks in, like, that was like one of the most gripping things to me right off the bat was how dark and seductive it was. Like it, it starts off with this really hypnotic like bass line, like a very thumpy bass line, reminiscent of like the eighties, like even like with synthwave and stuff like that. And it's just so like stripped down and you just see Aping and Aza um riding around on their motorcycles and like if it were any other movie You'd be like, oh, you know, like, it's just, like, some kids, like, r- like riding around and stuff. But it's like, no, that's what, like, this is all they have. <laughs> like, it's yeah. just riding around the city. And even when Aza ends up going home to his flooded apartment, which is just, once again, a normal thing, um, he, like, lays down for a bit. And, like, you hear his brother and um, Aqua, I think, I think that's her name, Aqui. Aqua, yeah, Aqua, yeah, Aqua, yeah. Um, you hear Azza's brother and Aqua, um, like having sex in the other room. And one thing I noticed about the movie was that whenever there's like moments of intimacy, it's always like very like in your face, like explicit. Like, for instance, like there's porn on this on like on the TVs and stuff. Mm -hmm. And well, it seemed pretty distant though. Yeah. not entirely in your face, like in the filmmaking, but it's it's there. It's in the background, mm-hmm. and you can see it. But um, yeah, it feels explicit in some ways. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point that you bring up, though. Like it, it's it's present, but it's so distant. It's like mm-hmm. it's a very underlying feeling of like people just wanting to be close to one another, like longing and like yearning for that sort of thing. And I don't know. I I think that it it has a really good way of like displaying that sort of like tension. I don't know that it's just, Mm -hmm. that's a very like prominent feeling that I feel from the, from the movie. Mm -hmm. I think it's like a measure of, um, Aza, like you said, and well, all the characters and their loneliness. Um, cause there are shots of the characters or Aza, like just laying there in like this, confined space you know they don't have a lot of uh room where they live and they're just like you can just sense their loneliness and like you can sense that they want they're longing for something they want to find something or they want to run away but they don't know where um yeah there is a yearning for some kind of connection um it's more prominent later on in the film you know uh won't get into details yet but they you know, do want things that they cannot, like, find, I guess. Um, it, same goes for the, the other central character, um, Kang, or Naza, um, oh, mm-hmm. where he's supposed to be uh, studying for exams coming up, but he wants to rebel against that and do his own thing and find his own way, but we, we don't entirely know what he really wants. Yeah. Yeah, he was the, he was the character I was trying to wrap my head around the whole film. Unlike the other two uh, 
You guys are gonna have to help me with the names. Alze and Aping or um Aping and, and Atze, I think is how you say it. Mm-hmm. Uh Kwe is the girl. Kwe. Um Aping is the best friend of the other main character, um Atze. Yeah. Or Aza. Yeah, Aza is like the he's the mirror image of um Shao Kahn. So, yeah, like Aza, Aza and Quay, when he sees him on the motorcycle in the early port of the film, when he's driving with his dad, Neza is, it's Neza, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to call him Neza, because yeah. no, they, like they essentially, yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, before we even, sorry to cut you off, Patrick, but um, uh, Neza is actually like a very popular, like, uh, modern, like, deity to the Taiwanese culture, from what I've read. Um, he's in like a lot of um, media, like in film and um, in literature. So that's like a pretty common thing. I know, like for us, like uh, I'm just a Taiwanese, so we wouldn't get that. But um, what I is, find that interesting to learn, huh? Um, so when you're reading about him, did you find out um, like what sort of lore is behind him, like what he represents? Yeah, he's more like a he is uh, like a childlike figure. So it kind of explains why Neza in the movie kind of comes off as very childlike and immature. Um, he likes dance, so he does do that in the film as well. Um, he is like the god of like vehicles, I guess, so, like cars, trains, but in this film, motorcycles. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are elements in literature and uh, other parts of media that is ingrained in this film. So it's definitely more out there to read about Neza. So I think... To understand him more, we could, um, yeah, read into that as well. So, Patrick? But yeah, he was the, that was the character I was trying to figure out his motivation or just what he wanted. Mm-hmm. But then, like you said, with the uh, folklore aspect, not folklore, the, is it religious? Um, it's religious, yeah. Uh, yeah. Cultural. The cultural aspect. Mm-hmm. I do like that they also almost directly mention that with his father, relationship with his father. Mm-hmm. I think it's Lee. Mm-hmm. I think culturally they are like Taoist and Buddhist in Thai, uh, Taipei or Taiwan. So there's a mixture of that as well. So I did like that. I was trying to figure out his character and was his central thing, his relationship with his father, like in the cultural story of Nezer, Neza. Mm-hmm. Was it about him and his father reconciling or was it about this young kid who sees the punk lifestyle of riding the motorcycle with Al Kwe on the back? and all mm-hmm. that and he's, is he after that is he striving to get that or is he just acting out because of his relationship with his dad and what's going to be reconciled in the end mm-hmm. that's what really hooked me on the film was following what the hell he was trying to do yeah it's weird it's like he was so sentient of it all and like even when we first find Neza like he's sitting in his room as the rain's pouring down and he like goes out of his way to stick the cockroach on his compass and mm-hmm. then stabs it into his table and just sits there, just still nonchalantly doing his thing. And it's, I don't think he even speaks, does he even speak? He has like four lines. Yeah, he barely has like any lines. Yeah, Yeah. like I don't remember like hearing his voice whatsoever. He says like, ouch, in the uh, bathroom when he Mm -hmm. he cuts his hand. And also when he goes to um, the school to get uh, his refund, he just, he answers questions, but they're very brief. So mm-hmm. he doesn't have full-blown conversations with anyone, really. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, when we find him, he's, like, just doing his thing. And then, uh, Pat, what you mentioned about uh, 
you know, with as, as, as we're learning more about Neza, the actual neon god of, of this culture, I, I, I completely forgot this scene the first time, or, or during the first time that I watched it, um, but this recent time, I paid more attention to it, but it was the ritual that was being performed that uh, Neza's mother was at, and this, um, this, this woman was performing a ritual for this child, and the mother like came back home with these uh ble- with these paper offerings or like blessings almost and she believes her son to be the reincarnation of Neza because that's what she was told by this by this woman at this um at this sanctuary and you know we see her going inside of Neza's room lifting up the mattress and then we catch a glimpse of like all all the blessings that she puts underneath there for him and then i found it like even more odd the fact that like she lit it on, she lit one of the papers on fire, um, poured some water over it, and then sprinkled some of it in the food, yeah. And (laughs) it had me wondering, like, is that the reason why, because there's also a very, I mean, there's a recurring motif between um, Neza and his family, how, like, him and his father have stomach issues. And it, it leaves me wondering, like, is that part of the reason why they have problems? Is because, like, the mother, she's trying to, like, do all that she can to like help her family but like she's being too helpful in a certain aspect like she's smothering them and that night that night's the night he uh finds out about his suspected reincarnation of neza mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is when he uh goes to the bathroom from stomach problems mm-hmm. yeah and then i just assumed it was related to that whatever was sprinkled on the food anyways or something like that mm-hmm. that's when he finds out or he is able to eavesdrop in on their conversation and that's when he does the, uh, like, he randomly just starts dancing. Yeah. Yeah, he, like, tries to put on a show. Yeah. Playing like, to the superstition. Yeah, to get everyone riled up. I, I thought it was so sad, like, even in the opening, even in the first few scenes, like, with Neza, like, just... Because what you mentioned earlier, Pat, about how um, we don't know if he is striving for, you know, a sort of better relationship with his father, like, reconciliation or not or if he's wanting to rebel against all that and do his own thing, I think that he ultimately wanted reconciliation because when he and his dad, I mean, when Neza's scooter gets um, towed in the first few scenes, he um, comes back out and is like distraught over it. And then his dad picks him up because his dad's a taxi driver and um, he drops off his client and then he tells Neza, hey, I have an idea, like, instead of, like, you going to school, how about we go see a movie? Like, we haven't, like, my mother, or your mother and I haven't, like, the last time we saw a movie together was with you when you were a child. And, like, Neza is so, he has, like, no expressions on his face. Stoic. Yeah. And I, I feel like during this scene, there was, like, a sort of, like, promise that was, like, starting to show on his face. And, like, they stop and get food together. And you could see that his dad is that his dad loves him like he's putting food like his own food onto his son's plate yeah mm-hmm. and and well, then one of the few lines he said was he can't finish it all oh yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but then um but then like all of this is sort of like stripped away from him by um the scene that was mentioned earlier where um where neza and his dad are sitting at a stoplight and Aze or Aza and Akwe are on a motorcycle together in front of the taxi. 
And then just before that, we see Neza staring out at them longingly, wishing to be the one, or wishing for that sort of lifestyle. And then all of a sudden, um, Alza just smashes uh, Neza's father's taxi side mirror. And then this well, just... because he honked at him, right? Yeah, he kept yeah. honking at him. Because... the right turn. Mm-hmm. And the light was green. He should have gone. <laughs> <laughs> it was green. <laughs> it was. He didn't go. But yeah, he like smashes his mirror because he's like pissed at the fact that uh, Neza's dad is honking at him. And then like you could just see everything register in Neza's face. He's like, well, I guess this, 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 uh, this thing I've been waiting for isn't going to happen. So what does he do? That's the point where he decides, I'm going to follow Alze around the entire, for pretty much the entirety of the movie mm-hmm. and observe him and also create problems for him because he ruined what was offered to me. So I'm taking what is being offered to him. Mm-hmm. On a side note, um, Neza is also known to be a protection deity as well. So he could uh, be protecting his family or even protecting uh, the city itself because um, Aza and Aping have been pretty much wrecking havoc in terms yeah. of like stealing from the, the city, stealing from uh, like store owners, you know, um, burglarizing, vandalizing things. So mm-hmm. They still feel very sympathetic. Like his... Somewhat. That was, that I don't know his... if I felt that sympathetic for them, but... I think just Nas's revenge felt like a, especially with the juxtaposition of like Nas has a loving father, you know he's a bit of a hard ass, and his mother who fawns over him, and like a structure, a stable family, and then please help me with the names. I'm gonna keep getting them. Oh, okay. Aza. Aza. Aza mm-hmm. only has what a brother whose face we never seen. Yeah, he never seen. Car dealership. He's and... he's only in one scene. Yeah. And he lives in an apartment that's flooded half the time. <laughs> yeah, it looks like he's just allowed to stay with his brother on, like, good gracious or whatever. Because his room's, like, it's small. Oh, yeah. Well, is his room flooded because of the karma that he's been, like, going out there and being a juvenile? I mean, that's how I see it. I, that's why I don't necessarily feel sympathetic, but it's kind of, like, his own doing. I, um, but I do feel bad that he's on his own. I can say that, but... I'm not sure how much I feel for him. I feel a lot for him because these people are born into their circumstances and you can tell that they're wanting to get out, but they're, they aren't being given much leeway to do so. Whereas Neza is, he's the, he's the only one who has an actual decision mm-hmm. that we see throughout the movie he and has, he turns it down. Yeah. He has like, a mo- or he just finally has something to like live for, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Or he knows like what he wants to do, whereas Odse and his Aping are just like like floating around the city, just doing whatever they want. Like his sandal in his freaking in his room, just floating around, just like just waiting for the water to yeah. go back down. Like try as they might to like un unclog the drain, it just does it on its own. Yeah. And I, I think that luck has a huge, has a, like a huge influence on the movie, like just the concept of it all and karma, like was mentioned earlier. And I don't know, I, I think that um, what's interesting is when you juxtapose the concept of luck with uh, Neza's father and Aze, both of them are so reluctant to 
I guess, play into the superstition of it all. And Neza is kind of like the one who's teaching them lessons. Mm -hmm. But it's also like in a cruel way. <laughs> or in an unforgiving way. Like uncompromising? Yes. Like, like it, he has a very black and white distinction of justice. Like there's no sort of middle gray. Which I guess makes sense when it comes to like a god who is in charge of that sort of stuff well also we have to he also gets uh some punishment as well because his father um well later on in the film um he gets kicked out and then he tries to return but um his father will not accept him back so in a way he's still human you know, um, mm -hmm. he's, uh, I don't think he's this, um, all-powerful deity, but, um, I'm not sure what he is, really. Is he, like, a half-god, half-human type? Because, um, he, he's essentially on his own, and he wants to go back home, but he can't. And he doesn't like school, so what is he gonna do? Is he is is he like James Dean? Because you know, essentially, we see a poster of James Dean, and he looks at it, and is that who he wants to be—a <laughs> rebel without a cause? Because I think this film is almost—I've never seen *Rebel Without a Cause*, but uh, I'm pretty sure this uh, film director likes James Dean in some way. So probably turned it into like a Taiwanese version of James Dean. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Or he's like, he hates that, like, I don't know, he hates that persona, like that James Dean persona, and I don't know, like, Neza, I guess, like, Neon God, like, if he's like the, uh, he, like, represents the city, so he's, mm -hmm. you know, they, Atse and Aping are wreaking havoc on the city, so he wants to, you know, justify it by slashing up his bike and whatever else. But yeah, they get their comeuppance. The, that bike being destroyed, and then eventually, um, the two of them uh, get in trouble for an even bigger thing later on, towards the end of the film. Um, so I think yeah, it's just like a oh man, like a domino effect that they've started from the beginning of the film and then it all comes crashing down on them. And then Neza <clears throat> happens to be the one to balance like um, their acts, you know, the good and the bad. Mm -hmm. And then uh, a character I even feel, I actually feel the most for is um, Akwe. Yes. Yes. Because she's essentially like looking for love and intimacy and she just feels alone. She, I think she feels more alone than all of them um, because we don't see any family that she has. We don't. Mm -hmm. And we also see that like when she's with um, Aza's brother, like he just leaves her. Yeah. <laughs> like she, Almost like she's a call girl or an escort. He's like locked the door on the way out. Like, yeah. So like, like, yeah, here's my business card if you have any friends who want to yeah. buy a car. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like just completely impersonal. Yeah. Well, even Atze leaves her, like, right. he, like, stands her up, and then they have sex, and he leaves, too, doesn't he? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That one's a bit, because yeah, he, he leaves temporarily. Yeah, he comes back. 
<laughs> he goes cruising, goes to the arcade and chills. He's all, I'm gonna go back to and she's gone too. She thought he bounced. <laughs> I think there's so much miscommunication in the movie too. Like, like I don't know. I think Aqua is my favorite character as well. Um, just because there's so much to unearth with her. And, I mean, she's, she's the most stable one out of all of the characters. Like, she actually has a job. And, yeah, it might not be the most fulfilling job she has, but she makes decent money because she's always, like, offering to buy Odza and um, Aping dinner and stuff. And I think that the moments that... Or the reason why she chooses to stick around is because, like, she feels like she belongs in their friend circle. Like, she has finally found her place. And one of my favorite m moments in the movie is shortly after they all meet. Um, because after Aze's brother leaves in the beginning part of the movie, Akwe is going back home, and she meets Aze in the elevator. And then, you know, they get to the fourth floor, it opens up, she goes out, and he's like, no, wait. The elevator's broken, you gotta come back in. And we gotta, you know, the like, we aren't at the bottom floor yet. And, like, there's just, like, all these moments that cause them to, like, keep having to, like, talk to each other. And when they finally do establish some sort of bond, they all go out, like, drinking after Akwe's shift at work. And this is my favorite scene, where, um, where Aze and Ping are playing, like, this game with the towels with each other oh, yeah. mm -hmm. and like you could just see like Aqua's face just lighting up even though she doesn't understand the game like she like you could just see that all of them are finding some sort of like glimmer of hope amidst like the rainy dreary city and I don't know I just found a lot of hope to be in that scene and you can tell that that's all that Aqua wants and each time she thinks she's found it um something happens to create some sort of doubt within her and that brings up all of her insecurities when it comes to intimacy. For instance, mainly with Aze. Yeah, I think that just juxtapose that with when they're uh, riding on their bikes after drinking. And that, like, you get that beautiful shot of like them uh, driving or riding down the, the, the street there, like mm -hmm. the highway or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I'm just wondering like, how did they film this? Like, what? <laughs> You know, yeah, like, was, they could, like, they don't have any uh, stunt actors, right? Yeah, there's no helmets. They're, like, yeah. swerving into each other. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, this could end in real bad. So it's just like, wow, this is raw filmmaking. But then right after that scene, um, they get, like, plastered drunk. And then um, they go inside that uh, motel. And then pretty much after that scene, uh, she calls uh, Aza because it's, like, the next day. And she's like did you guys rape me, you know? She just asks so casually, like, did you guys rape me or what? And it's just like, oh my god, like... You can tell that bad shit has happened to her. Yeah, like, so... Uh, I don't want to get into too many specifics on that scene, but, um... Yeah, you just kind of get, like, that feeling. And I got that feeling, too, like, what are they going to do, you know, with her? And, yeah. At the... When they take her to the motel? Yeah. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. I, I, was, I don't want to. I was worried too. Yeah, I was, I was worried about the friend over there. Yeah, it was yeah. uncomfortable for a second. Yeah, it was very <laughs> uncomfortable to me. So, and you know, they turn on the TV and all that, and it's just like, uh oh, this, uh -oh. Is this is what's on people's weird. minds. Like, yeah. I just thought, was, I, thought just, I just thought Ah Ping was gonna have to get slapped. You know, we're leaving. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, he does. He does get slapped. Like, 
Yeah, quit being horrible. We're going. Yeah. I think that that's my one of my favorite qualities about Odze is that in the face of, I guess, desire, he chooses to go with his authenticity. Like, he's like, no, we aren't doing that. Like, are you crazy? Like, no, get the fuck out of here. And I think it's a bit telling of, like, the early signs of the relationship developing. Mm -hmm. Like, he's very protective. Yeah, he's like, it's like I don't care if she's passed out drunk and if you want, you're taking her shoes off even. I don't care. Don't fuck with her shoes. We're leaving. Mm -hmm. It's very, very telling of, of the dynamics between it all. Well, and also, I think that he also saw her as his brother's girl. So throughout the film, he would always refer to his brother like, oh, well, my brother's not here whenever she tries to show up and stuff. So like, I feel like there is um, that connection of like, he connects her to his brother as like, she's, or that's his possession, you know? Mm -hmm. I thought it was like a defense thing. Like he didn't want to, I don't, he didn't want to show weakness or intimacy. So like everyone was like, oh, why are you and Aqua so close? Or why are we, we're taking her out again and all that? And he's like, oh, she's just my brother's girl. Don't worry about it. When he's actually starting to feel emotions for her and all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that definitely becomes more prominent later on in the movie. Poor sugar. <laughs> yeah, like with Ping. It's almost my brother's girl. He's not going to admit, I don't know, I like her. Leave her alone. We're leaving. So you just always, she's possessed by someone else who, yeah. Even when they're in the bathroom too, when he asks him, he's like, did you smell her? He's like, oh, yeah. he's oh, like yeah. let me sit, put her in between us. So oh yeah, when they're he's, like, he's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like what? And then, and then he, she yeah. is sitting between them. I'm like, oh, <laughs> gay man. <laughs> yeah, like it's just so prominent, just how much people are longing for something that that is so out of reach for them. Like, especially with Ah Ping, like, with, like, the tragedy that, like, happens to him. Like, in the end, he's just like, all I want is a hug from a woman. And it's like, oh my god, that's so sad. <laughs> and I think that's one of the themes of the film, is, like, these men are probably looking for some sort of connection or intimacy with someone else. Um... Yeah, because that is like, no one really speaks out what they truly desire in the film, but um, Ah Ping, I think, might might have been the only character that is that. Um, besides maybe Neza's dad, he doesn't outright say it, but he did want to spend more time with his son, as we saw from the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, I think that Ah Ping might be the only one besides the father who outright says, hey, I want this thing. This is what I need. Um, yeah. Damn. That's pretty sad. Yeah, it's like they're all having like an existential crisis. Mm -hmm. Longing for some purpose. I thought it was so... Um, like when uh, the scene happens where Ah Ping... Where, when um, Aze and Ah Ping go to rob the uh, arcade store. And before that we see Aze and Ah Kuei you know, setting up plans for later on that night. She's like, uh, come pick me up after work. And he's like, why? And she's like, how do you not know? Like, I want to spend time with you. Like, don't bring all pain. And he's like, okay. And then they go to rob the arcade store. And then we see, um, 
Neza following them around, you know, trying to figure out what it is that they're doing. And so all three of them end up like hanging out in this arcade store after hours. And we're like spectating on Neza spectating on them robbing the place. And it's so like, I don't know, it's so voyeuristic in a way. Like we're watching people's lives play out in real time. And... And then, like, after the the robbery happens, you know, of course, like, Akwe gets stood up. And I thought it was unique in the way that, that it, like, showed her. Like, especially just, like, sitting out there just smoking a cigarette. And it's not, like, a very long or... It's, it's neither short nor long in the way that it's shown, but you can just see, like, the expression on, on her face. How, like, disappointed she is that... She thought that she had found somebody that she connected with, and she was she. You could just tell that there was a lot of um, regret on her face. Mm-hmm. And then, like the next day at work, she like goes and um, calls like one of those dating services and sets up a date for later on after work. And then Aze is there, and he's like, "Oh, are you upset that like I stood you up?" And she's like, "Yeah." And then she's like, "Oh, well, I have another date," and he like is following her around. And she just keeps telling him to leave because she's so upset that she allowed herself to be vulnerable with someone only to have it, like, taken away from her. And then, of course, like, Aze, like, wins her over because, like, she ultimately still wants him. And they go to the hotel. And then I I found, like, this next part to be so... So, you... I mean, just so fascinating in the way that... It juxtaposes Neza doing the same exact thing as them. Like, he, he's following Aze to the hotel. He slashes up his bike and basically, like, destroys it. And then he tries to go home, is turned away by his father. And I think his father even, like, beats his mom, doesn't he? Or, like... No. No, he doesn't? No. Okay. Because I heard, like, a thud in it, but I guess that, that could have been something else. That makes me feel better about the father character. I think, she, I think the most he does is, like pushes her away from the yeah. door or something. Mm-hmm. She does like, the, don't push me. I suppose it's a subtitle where she's saying like... Yeah, I think she says like, don't push me is yeah. pretty much what she's she like, says. Like, no, let him stay out there. Don't let him in. Mm-hmm. Oh, to try and like teach him a lesson. And then, so he ends up going back to the hotel and like, oh wait, no, I think it's like the hotel across the street or something like that. And then like the next day, <laughs> you can just see him like looking out the window waiting for Odze to see his motorbike. And then once he finally does, he's, like, jumping on the bed. And he, like, becomes, like, the, f- the fully embraced version of Neza. Because on the sidewalk in front of Aze's motorbike, he spray-painted um, the Neon God or something like that. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it was funny hearing, um, like, that following day when Ping and Aze are together. And is like, oh, man, I've had, like, the worst luck. And then Ping's like, oh, well, we should go and worship the Neon God tomorrow. And then he's like, shut up. No, we aren't doing that. And then it's like, oh, look the what more, happens. More stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought it was going to take a way darker turn when uh, when he spray-painted, I think, AIDS on the side of the bike. Yeah, and Once Babe had left, I thought he was going to misinterpret that or something was going to become tragic. Yeah, I thought he was going to think it was uh, Aqua. Yeah, yeah, and, like, the one time their domain comes out, his bike's thrashed. It's like, retrib- like... I thought he could misinterpret it as her doing that, and then like, oh, I gave you AIDS as well, and like just 
He's getting way worse from that. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, this. I thought it was gonna be like the the Nezer Revenge is gonna transform into Aqua being murdered in a misunderstanding. <laughs> I'm so glad it that didn't would be a that. great alternate ending. <laughs> I, I didn't realize oh, this is gonna get rough, but then his reaction was pretty subdued. It's okay, he's not. Yeah, he's not gonna go on. I feel like he was like humbled after that. Like, once, yeah, once he couldn't find the guy or whoever's responsible, he's like scanning the buildings even. Yeah. Especially like, after. He, uh, Neza's dad picks him up, and then he, I feel like he finally, like, it comes full circle, and then he realizes, like, like, he's been too rebellious or whatever, and he felt bad for breaking his window, and he's like, yeah, he didn't even do anything, he just gave me a ride. I like the, uh, ne with Neza, before that, when he's walking his thrash bike back. Yeah. And Neza's, like, living in it for a moment. Mm-hmm. I was like going around these See, I was just hoping I was like please pop him with the CO2 gun just like <laughs> <laughs> with the drive by <laughs> cause he never used it yeah I, I, I was waiting for that yeah, to use in some form of the yeah. film but it was like a distraction but he shows remorse at the end I thought that was genuine yeah they kind of both did actually yeah like and there's a yeah he, he's, he's like you want over. help or whatever and he does a circle background I was like mm -hmm. I don't know you want to ride he's like fuck off I'm have you seen a bike before that just keeps going? Right? <laughs> See, I don't know. I don't know if he did feel bad. I think he was trying to rub it in his face a bit more when he came up to him, like, "Hey, you need help?" Yeah, I couldn't. Like, couldn't I, really I, I couldn't tell really. I like, would think, but he like stops. He comes like a complete stop and all that. Right. Yeah, and he like watches him disappear. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, but really though, like after you like fuck this dude's up the whole day and you're just gonna be like oh you need help like, well, what, what, I don't know what thinking goes behind that I'm not sure see uh, part of me during the entirety of the movie always felt like there was this longing to like be friends like he was yeah. following him around to like be friends with them I thought that was gonna be the intro of the hook too like yeah. you need a ride or something I can help you out yeah I thought yeah exactly Pat, exactly like that like he he constructed like this whole narrative just to have them fall back into his hands, that way he can find his inn. Or even the, the earlier Aquae bit, where she has the arranged date with the older gentleman, and mm -hmm. then he shows up to tell her that he actually cares about her, and then... Oh yeah, Nez is there. Nez is there, and he's hanging out on his bike, and I thought when they're arguing, like, the three of them, I thought she was just gonna be like, fuck it, I'm out of here. And then get on the guy, bike with Nez. Guy, guy, I saw the roller ring, give me a ride, and hop on. It's <laughs> yeah. like a different dichotomy. Mm -hmm. Isn't it so cool that it had you guessing like that, though? Yeah. Constantly. Yeah, it's but like he almost had an obsession with Atze, mm -hmm. if anything. Like, that's who he wanted to be. Yeah. Because when he saw, first saw him on that bike, I don't think he was even ogling at Aque at all. I think he... Look that cool... And then... Look at that cool guy. Wait, he so reminds me of James Dean. What about that the scene at the telephone scene at the end? At the dating service? Mm -hmm. Oh, See, yeah. that made me think I'm like... It, like, can we... Is it cool if we talk about it? Yeah, yeah I think yeah, that, like... Yeah. I think we already didn't spoil it. I'm like, is he gay? Like, oh, he might be, He might actually be, like, you oh, know? He could yeah. be. Have yeah. feelings for Ate. Okay, I didn't... Mm -hmm. I just thought, because he's like, he didn't answer the phone, and it was like, the chick clearly explained, she's like, oh, yeah, girls will call the guy, and then you guys can... I don't know. They just made it real, like, male, female, like, she right. explained like, it. Hetero, and then sexual. he just stared at the phone and didn't want to answer it and just I thought, left i thought it was a power thing at the start yeah i thought it was like a big power thing he's just drinking that 
whatever it is, real slow. Dream. Yeah. It's free, it rung twice, three different colors. Mm -hmm. And then it elevates into like, he starts breathing heavy and he's like genuinely afraid of intimacy or just reaching out. Yeah. And then he gets up and just bounces. I felt the same thing too, Pat. And Tyler, you bring up a really good point. That could be the source of it. Yeah, it could, that, like the repressed emotion of like feeling a certain way, but like imagine like the cultural... Uh, view on homosexuality during that time, especially in like Taiwan, and like with the AIDS epidemic going on at that time, mm -hmm. like the fear that must have been shrouding the entire um, community, like it just makes wow. I'm gonna be thinking about that a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I didn't even put together. That's like yeah, that's that's like right when the AIDS epidemic was like popping off right so because i did wonder like oh well, why do you put aids on his bike and i'm just thinking like that is a good point that you brought up that it could be um um some some themes about homosexuality because it's it's done for a reason right he could have yeah. written anything on his bike mm -hmm. um but i think it is because he probably admired um Aza in some way because he had no interaction with um Akwe at all and i yeah. thought that maybe he had he liked her but he didn't so it's just like um it could be about that. Yeah. So. Because her butt, her like butt was out like on like the bike and like he was just like his face, facial expression did not change like. Yeah. You know, no eyebrow raise. <laughs> it was just like complete like staring at yeah. Aza. Right. Just. <laughs> hey, I mean, she had the best outfits in the film, so. No, she. <laughs> Honestly, the fashion in the movie. Yeah. Out of this world, yeah. I loved it. <laughs> I'm like, dang, can we bring that back? We can yeah, still do it, right? The, <laughs> the, 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 the whitewashed denim with like yeah. the, the olive colored button up with the white, I mean, with the tank. Yeah, they were swaggy. Yeah, they were. Yeah. <laughs> it made me want to be, be a rebel in the new yeah. <laughs> I was like, damn, I wish I grew up a bit. Well, I mean, we did grow up in the 90s, but like, I wish I was yeah. like 20 in the 90s. That'd be fun. Right. Because they're like, all I never got to go in the 20s, right? So. Yeah, pretty much. And like all the arcade scenes too, I thought that was a good like Street connection connection to like neon god, you know. Like mm -hmm. I was like, is the, is the art is like the arcade the neon god? Hmm. Um, the screen and the there's also the they, signs that are neon. Yeah, because they steal the motherboards, and then if Neza is like a connection to the neon god, then it's like that's his backlash for them taking part of the neon god mm -hmm. yeah the the, uh, the the time period and the, the the aesthetics and the scenes like the arcade stuff I, just, I remember being a kid and going and playing yeah not Street Fighter 2 exactly but I did play like 1948 and like that Marvel some game Galaga, like, some Galaga like yeah but like the Early, the late 90s arcade kind mm -hmm. of the early 90s ones like the Marvel vs. Capcom and all that stuff mm -hmm. I remember going to Scandia and doing those I remember yeah. going to the roller rink nearby and just loving the skate around so I love those sets those I know scenes. yeah it was like nostalgic for mm -hmm. sure I haven't done I don't remember, I remember like going to the movies with my dad and like we would go to the we would the go early and hit the arcade yeah. for like a half hour that was yeah that was another I think that's why I relate so much to Neza where it's yeah the when his dad says, "Oh, we're gonna go to a movie," I think when my, when uh, I think for a couple birthdays growing up, my dad would always be like, "It's your birthday. Let's go see a movie you want to see." Yeah, that'd be yeah. like my little our yeah. little treat together. We just go and see a movie. I totally relate. I only went to the movies once with my family ever. 
So I'm like, damn, that's a, I feel you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, it means a lot. Especially, like, ditching school to go to a movie. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Especially if your parents are like, you can miss school today. Like, we're mm-hmm. going to go do this, like, fun thing. Like, yeah. That was always cool. Which is what makes it, like, all the more devastating when it's, like, stripped away from him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's also playing, um, he's playing soccer in the arcade. And then when, oh, the baseball, uh, yeah. Or is it baseball? baseball? Yeah. Oh, baseball, yeah. He was playing, uh, yeah, a baseball game. And then um, Aza comes up and starts playing the shooting game. I'm like, yeah, I could see that. <laughs> I could <laughs> see Aza being like, them. yeah, playing the, the shooter while he's playing the other game. So I'm like, dang, they're so, they can like, not be any more different from each other. Um, yeah. And then the motorcycle, Aza, Adam's clean. Oh yeah, his bike was really nice. His bike yeah, was sick. <laughs> well, the yeah, the vehicles as well. Like the cars, they look they look like they're barely held together. Like the tires look like spares, especially the taxi. Mm-hmm. Like the tire, yeah, the rims are just black, and the bottom looks like it's gonna hit the ground if you go on slope steep enough. The black and gold Honda though. Yeah, that the thing motorbike. Was sick. Yeah, the, the motorbikes like kind of souped up. Even the Alpines, like the red and white one. Yes, it's all very. Yeah. I just love the aesthetic in that. Maybe want to get a bike and cruise around the city at night. Dang. I guess um, living in that area and like the downtown area is like it's where it's at, you know. Um, that's where Neza wanted to live. Like he didn't want. I mean, but I don't know. The the ending really. Um, I don't know, it made me feel some type of way because the, um, I think the dad, when he came home, he left the door open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm wondering, like, that's pretty ambiguous. That I think he forgave his son at that point and he wants him to come back home. So, yeah. I like that it, it left at that. It was very hopeful. Did He didn't, he didn't go back, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's open, isn't it? He's leaving the phone call. Is that the last time we see him? Yeah, that's the yeah, last scene. Yeah, that's, that's the last scene. But I like the, uh, again, to the Neza being sympathetic with Aze. I think for sure, especially after the bike's damage and all that, and he's walking it back, it's like a parallel of like, well, my moped got towed, my dad was there to come pick me up and help me out. This guy oh, yeah. is nothing. Yeah. And even when we look at the film, we're like, oh, I love the roller rink, I love the arcade, I love the, the nightlife looking style. That's nice and all, but the for those characters in that environment, they don't have... They don't have anything, or they don't have. Yeah. Their, they're stuck there. They're not there because they want to be. And I think Aqua has that great line at the end. Where it's like, "Say you want to." Was it? Say you want to leave with me, or you say you want to yeah. be with me? Let, let's go somewhere. Let's else. go somewhere. Like, where we go though? And he, she, she doesn't say anything. Yeah. She's and then, like, then yeah, then he what just. What about you? And then he goes, like, "I don't." What do you mean? Where? <laughs> we can't leave the city. Yeah, what it was like they had like no, <clears throat> like true home or dreams. Because I kept staying in, like, different hotel rooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, Atze's, I mean, home. It was his home, but it was, you know, I mean. That's not ideal. It was his, also his brother's, and it's not ideal with, like, puddles on your f- kitchen floor. And So I have this one um, scene saved on my phone. Um, it's when Akwe... Like during the the final moments of the movie, she re, or she goes to Aze's apartment, and I think that this is where we see um, like what you mentioned earlier, Pat, about how um, he's labeling Aque as his brother's girlfriend. Like 
to distance himself from like the you know the intimacy portion of it all like that's where we see like this dynamic like really building up and then he brings her into his room where Ah Ping is lying there um badly beaten and it kind of like puts aside all of her whatever negative emotion she had towards Aze, like towards him standing her up the previous night in the hotel um or not even standing her up but like just disappearing after they have sex to go out and like do stuff at night only to come back hours later and she's not there because she thought that he left her again and so she comes back and she just out of nowhere just says i woke up last night all alone in the hotel do you know how it feels i've never felt like that in all my life and then there's like a beat between the two Ozzy can't even like say anything because he recognizes the feeling because in a way she left him as well because of the misunderstanding and then she just and then she ends it by saying should we just give up and i found that to be so powerful like because that's all that's the only options they have it's to either keep living in this fleeting just transient lifestyle or give up which makes um the lines that are spoken at the end between Odze and Aqua all the more memorable about how they want to leave and like run away together but they don't know where to run to yeah cuz what uh what's his name again uh Odze Odze mm-hmm. like what his source of income is like ripping off machines and then occasionally the bigger job of stealing electronics and maybe trying to flip them I think his brother is the one who pays for the place at his car dealership. We don't see any of that. And then Aqua, she's just at a roller rink. And we don't see if she even has a place. Do you guys think she was like... A car girl? Yeah. No? It almost seemed like it. I feel like I was... She would just get anyone she wants. Or I was thinking too, like, the theory is like... The, like, dating service that... um, Neza goes to at the end it's like is she like one of those girls that calls like those guys yeah, that goes into I that because yeah. she's calling that oh, yeah, dude she she's like them, yeah. she's like oh yeah I like older guys or whatever when she's at the skating rink mm-hmm. so that's what made me think I'm like, like oh, a good side she, hustle that's yeah. why she has so much money yeah cause she, she got like two jobs essentially yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, we see her, like, going out and, like, buying all, like, these brand new dresses and, like, brand new clothing. and 20% off. Yeah, because she buys their, or she buys so much stuff from them that she has, like, a, a hookup with them. No, Tyler, that's a really good theory. That would explain why she's so, like, able to pay for everything. Yeah. And he gives more weight to that one line. Do you know what it's like to wake up alone in the motel? Yeah. Where it's like, we've seen her twice. She's been through this before. Like. We've seen her twice in that situation, and she's very nonchalant about it, or accusatory. Mm-hmm. But she's calling like, this is the, I cared this time, and I woke up alone. Do you know how that feels? This yeah. is the worst. Yeah. It's funny how, like, um, those services back then have, like, transformed into, like, Dating apps, Tinder, OkCupid to like uh, OnlyFans and all that stuff. <laughs> I'm pretty sure if it was translated to modern day, that's what it would be like, right? So um, she'd be having an OnlyFans account. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I would subscribe. <laughs> I think that, oh man, that's so sad. I guess I watched Love and Pop. 
Yeah. I think that love and pop is even worse though because. Okay, we're talking about a different film now. (laughs) (laughs) But like, it it relates to this movie though because it has Mm -hmm. like the same exact feeling, except except like a different aspect. Like you have somebody who is still on the cusp of like their innocence, and then they're like, "Oh, I have this, or I I want this thing. I'm gonna do this thing to try and get it." And then as she engages in this sort of um, new unfamiliar territory, she is exposed to the depravity and like the the perversion that's out there and like you just see like her innocence being stripped from her and then like in the end of the movie she's like was it all worth it like it's a bit of like a pyrrhic victory yeah the awkward i she yeah you convinced me on the call girl aspect i just assumed she was like desperate like everyone else was just just yeah. living it up. Like, oh, whatever. You're attractive-ish car dealer guy. Whatever. She didn't seem desperate to me, though. It was. It seemed very casual, like, oh, this is a daily thing. Yeah. Because she, yeah. she just called and was like, oh, yeah, I like older guys. Sure, why not? Yeah, and it was <laughs> like, the dude that she met up with, or like, she was like, I have another date, and then he's like sitting down there. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it was like, you know, that it's not like that dude was like, he wasn't as good looking as uh, Atze or whatever, so yeah. that's another thing that made me think. I'm like, maybe she was like a call girl or like a like a prostitute or whatever, you know? So. Yeah. Well, I think it was like desperate and like just the any kind of intimacy is what she wants. Yeah. Ugly, slightly uglier 25-year-old guy? Sure. Or the bad boy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought it was so funny how like when she was on the phone with that new person, she was like, oh yeah, I might not even show up. And then he shows up anyway, yeah. <laughs> like hoping that like she changes That's her mind. That's even sadder. That should be tied in the story too. Alone. Just like everyone in that city, just like they're just. It's like a sense of longing and and intimacy and yeah. purpose. It's like people just want things that they can't have mm-hmm. or that is beyond their reach, and they don't want to like go. They don't want to uh, go back down to what they can reach for. I don't know, it, oh, it's so sad. <laughs> <laughs> we need to watch a happy film. Yeah, we do. <laughs> I have a film recommendation for next week. Um, so that pretty much like uh, sums up our thoughts for um, Barrels of a Neon God. I'm going to wrap it up and then potentially throw out some recommendations for next week. Sure. Because I already have one in mind. All I know is that um, with Sai, uh, Sai Ming Liang, Liang yeah. him and the main character who played Neza, they're like a creative life or a creative duo. Like ever since this movie, like all of his movies have him in it. Oh, nice! Wow. And they, I think that they that they have like a life partnership with one in, with one another. Like they live with each other. Oh, I wow. think, Damn. and I don't know. I think that that's like a huge collaborative effort of like finding someone who you truly understand and who understands you back and you're both working towards the same message that you want to it's like give to, um, give Wong Kar Wai and um, Tony Leung and yeah. Um, yeah. Scorsese and DiCaprio mm-hmm. like exactly kind of yeah. I, I want to watch more of his movies Me too. And, um, I really like this film a lot um, this was the first Taiwanese film I think I've seen Really, you guys yeah, gotta same. watch Yi Yi You've got to watch I need to finish that movie. I only watched like 
45 minutes. Edward Yang is another uh, huge proponent of the Taiwanese film movement. Mm -hmm. And I think he passed away shortly after Yi. Or he might have passed away like a few years later due to some sort of illness. But the few movies that he made, um, A Brighter Summer Day, Yi, um, uh, Taipei Story, a few other ones too they are just so, they have the exact same feeling of like the longing and like the loneliness aspect and like mm-hmm. people wanting more or like the bad luck, the bad karma. Yeah. Yi is all about that, about bad karma. Really? But in a very hopeful way. But yeah, that sums up my thoughts on it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like that um, the films we've been picking pretty much uh, during this pandemic were like, um, only we only have essential workers. I feel like what we're doing is like having essential films. Like this is what you need to watch, you know, like on Criterion or something. Mm-hmm. Like, um, yeah, I think that this is this is one of those films that like if you want to be a filmmaker one day, especially on you know going into indie filmmaking, low budget filmmaking. Um, Rebels of a Neon God is pretty good in showing that you don't need like crazy effects to like have yeah. a good movie like. You don't need um, explicit dialogue too. to tell you, like, what does this all mean, you know? So, mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just in the subtext and within the culture. And, you know? We're, like, a Google search away now to, like, find out, like, what does this all mean, you know? Yeah. So, sums up my thoughts. It's a really good film. I'm enjoying what, that we're, we've seen two foreign films. Soviet Union, Taiwanese. Mm-hmm. I, like, I like seeing different cultures, perspectives on film. And again, to the neorealism thing you said, Richie, I, uh, I forgot to mention this. When they first leave the, the motel or apartment, uh, Queen, Aza. 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 When they first leave that on the neorealism aspect, I don't know if they didn't have lights or what, when they're walking out of that lobby, it's the darkest, it's like you can't, you can barely see into it. And they're very dark, but you still make out their faces and they walk into the sunlight or they walk into whatever lights they have set up. Mm-hmm. I just love the, like, in, like you can, independent whatever filmmaking, like, they didn't take the time to light up the lobby so you can see inside so it's not obvious that mm-hmm. it's so dark. Like, you can see in there if you, that's how you saw it with your human eyes. But they didn't give a shit and it's just like, oh no, just go in here, walk out of the darkness on the camera, it's dark. Just walk out of the lobby and walk into the lights and then go to your bike. And it just, yeah, it felt very just run and gun. Yeah. And then a lot of the people, like, there's a lot of scenes where people look at the camera. And it's, it's, it's endearing in a way. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. We see, yeah, it's just like, oh, they're out shopping that day and they see a camera and they look right into it when they're shooting the scene and they <laughs> just keep going about their day. It's almost like you're, like, the camera is a person watching them as well. Mm-hmm. Or it's just, like, a historical or just, this is what it was like at that moment in that city. Mm-hmm. And that person who looked at the camera that moment buying their groceries probably went home and lived a whole life and doesn't probably know forgot about it. Yeah, <laughs> it's just uh, it's very it feels like I'm, it feels again with the foreign aspect you're getting a connection to those people or that city or that place. And mm-hmm. I really yeah. enjoy this movie for that. There's a lot of universal themes in it, and I think that that's the most powerful effect when it comes to foreign filmmaking is that you're connected to other people across the globe and you're like you you step out of the echo chamber that is your own country For sure. and like with the messages and the 
and the context that's going on at the time are just a part of your own history and you're exposed to the values and yeah. lifestyles of other people. Like, we are all one and the same. Mm -hmm. And it's so... It's so validating to, to see just the human condition across, across all cultures and boundaries. It's, it's, it's fascinating. It's, it's really, it's very cathartic. Tyler? Yeah, I mean, I love the film too. Um, yeah, like what you were saying, Kevin, I like, I like that we've done a, well, we've done Stalker, which was Russian, um, uh, this Taiwan film. What was the first that we watched? Oh, we watched... Say, Killing of Sacred Deer, obviously, is an American film, but... Yeah, those are like... <laughs> definitely I feel those non-canon in the podcast. Yeah, yeah. That is <laughs> <canon>. <laughs> but yeah, I, I like getting like a glimpse into a, another culture and, you know, just puts things into perspective when shit that you're worried about here or whatever you're like Cause man i have it so good and oh, easy yeah. here like good with american traditional conventional filmmaking yeah so. it kind of takes you out of like your own life and you know makes you not take things for granted and stuff like that so i really appreciate films like this that's a good point we all got to go to college. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah we, we weren't breaking telephones and yeah. I don't know, man. The, 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 the way they portrayed college, like just that massive room of like a hundred students, like so really closely, like yeah. was, together. That was cram school, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. like, isn't that like the equivalent when like voluntary school, like you're going there to get into a college, you're going there to I test. think so. It's like SAT preps. But yeah. like it, they make it look so unappealing oh, yeah. and like so... Like, there's just so much conformity. I thought that was it. really interesting, too. Just just that shot with, like, the time period that we're in right now. I was like, mm -hmm. when's the next time you'll ever get to be in a room with that many people and, like, right. have it be okay, you know? Oh, my <laughs> God, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. I was like, this if this, like, if people saw this, like, like in a classroom or something, like, today, like, in 2020, like, <laughs> and it was on the media, like, people would freak out. They'd be like... Right? Not so that's just interesting. I'm like, is this like, will we ever get back to that? You know, <laughs> uh, <yeah>. hopefully. <laughs> Maybe not. Makes me think about like music venues and stuff. Yeah, too. like concerts. Like, oh, like, oh, I was talking yeah. about that last night. I was like, when's next? I wonder when like we'll ever be able to go to a concert again. Yeah, isn't that so sad? I love going yeah. to concerts. Like I have one in June. I'm like, there's yeah, no way I'm going. Yeah. yeah, or going to a movie theater with your buddies or something. You know? Yeah. Like damn, we have to stay like I think movie six seats away. Could, yeah, actually, <laughs> huh? Like, have private private uh, theaters like yeah, just, I know, right? Like four seats in it. <laughs> but yeah, I think that sums up our thoughts on the movie. Um, mm -hmm. I think one that I was thinking that I don't think any of us have watched. I, I've watched it. Um, I think about seeing um, Burning. The, yes. So down. Yes. Yeah. I've never seen it, but I've, it's been yeah, on my watch list. Yeah, it has uh, Steven Yeun from uh, Walking Dead. Um, he's one of the main characters. Yeah, I think we should watch Burning. Isn't that um, on okay. Netflix? Yeah. It's on Netflix, yes. Yeah, yeah. I just saw a clip from uh, a Bong Joon Ho movie. I think, uh, like Memories of Murder. I think is what it's called. Oh, so man. down to watch that. I haven't too. seen that. We, we should watch that last week. That is. Oh really? Yeah. We should watch that one after Burning. 
We should definitely watch yeah. that one after. Um, is it good? It's it's, it's is, great. It's, his it's best fantastic one, movie. That's yes. what I was. That's what I was reading. It was like it was like a clip between like Parasite and that movie, and I and it was on like an Instagram post or something. And it was like this is they were like. Memories of Murder is actually the better film. It's much like, better than I was like, Parasite. If that's better, I was like, I yeah. love Parasite. So. I'd say yeah. slightly above, like, above Parasite, but like not miles ahead. Because <laughs> Par- Parasite's the only Bong Joon-ho movie I've seen, too. So oh, wow. I want to okay. see a lot of his stuff. So, Have you seen The Host? No, I haven't seen The Host either. So maybe in the next couple of weeks, you're going to be watching some Korean films. Yeah. Um, I'm so down. I burning, love Korean cinema. Yeah, Burning is going to be a, it's a 2018 film by um, Chang, or Lee Chang-dong. So, um, okay. nice. I heard he's an established filmmaker and uh, Korean filmmaker as well. So, that's a great recommendation, Richie. I'm so excited. Yeah, to let's watch do it. that one. Let's do okay. burning since we can all watch it on Netflix, right? Yeah. So, nice. So yeah, that uh, ends our uh, Le Film podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us, guys. Um, and we're signing off. I'm your host, Richard, Patrick, Kevin. And Tyler. And thanks for joining us during these um, difficult times, and hopefully you guys have a great day. And we're signing out. Peace.